Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Seidman, and it's time once again for your weekly wrap-up. We've got a bunch of stuff to talk about this morning, including my 100th week doing this full-time. We'll look at the Channels app going free on iPhone and iPad. Intel has a chip shortage for the Gemini Lake processors that go into all those cheap mini PCs we like to look at. The UK is forcing influencers to disclose their relationships properly. Physical media is still very relevant and why we should all keep buying it to keep it that way. Uh, Evading porch pirates by helping out small businesses. I'll talk about my strategy with that. And we'll look at simpler NAS boxes if you're looking for something basic. And uh, maybe you'll give me some feedback on that as well. And we will have the winner of our HD Home Run giveaway that we announced last week. Lots to talk about, so let's get to it. I want to begin first by thanking our newest supporters on the channel, including Mitch Bennett, uh, Elon Musk. It's not really Elon Musk, hence the quotation marks, but I always like to take whatever people put in as their name for the contributor. So uh, there you go, fake Elon Musk. Uh, and Chris Houston, who upgraded his support of the channel. I want to thank everyone who contributed this week and everyone who contributes on an ongoing basis, too, and everyone who watches on a regular basis, because all of those things equal channel growth. Now, we don't have an advertiser this week, but we do have a non-ad, an affiliate link for Audible.com. This is a service that I've been using now for almost 10 years. I listen to a lot of books on there because I can listen to things while I'm doing something else, like doing the dishes or taking the garbage out or walking the dog. It's a great way to do more reading if you don't have time to actually read a physical book. Uh, As for me, I fall asleep whenever I pick the book up and get maybe two or three pages in, I am out. So uh, Audible does help me supplement my uh, inability to read without falling asleep. Uh, They also have something new called Audible Originals, and if you are an Audible member, uh, you get two other things you can download each month that are produced exclusively by Audible. They're usually shorter productions. Uh, Sometimes they kind of play out like a podcast might, some of the better podcasts, and it's a neat little addition to your account. Uh, So for about 15 bucks a month, you get one free book that pretty much can cost anywhere from uh, $15 to $30 or $50 normally. And then you get the layering on of uh, these Audible originals. They give you a credit towards the the book each month. You can roll those credits over for, I think, a maximum of six months. So if you don't want to buy anything right away, uh, you can pay your membership fee, hang on to that credit, and then get something a few months later if you want. Uh, the Audible Originals, though, rotate every month, so you have to go in and grab the ones that you want uh, so you can listen to them later. But it looks like those Audible Originals do not expire after you've added them to your library. So good stuff, and if you go to the link, you can actually try it for free, and I definitely suggest you check it out. And now it's time for the Week in Review, and on the Extras channel, we unboxed a little tiny smartphone from a company called Unihertz. They've got this ruggedized device called the Atom. That's a full-blown Android phone, but is really, really small. You can see that unboxing to get a better feel for it. Hope to review that a little later this week. Uh, We also took a look at a mini-review of another one of these Belkin Power Charging Docks for the Apple Watch and iPhone, so you can check that out on the Extras channel. 
And then on the main channel, we did a review of a new mini PC called the Pepper Jobs, kind of a funny name. Uh, But what they've done is put in some really good cooling on it, and they made it so that the computer doesn't throttle itself down Uh, So it can run at its turbo speed, the 2.3 gigahertz, all the time when you need it. So it was a very consistent performing uh, device. It won't, you know, blow your your mind here, but it certainly will perform a little better than some of the other mini PCs that don't have a good cooling system built in. And I was pretty impressed with what they were able to squeeze out of it. Uh, So we'll have to keep an eye on some things that they do next. It was just nice to see a mini PC that was approaching this a little differently Uh, and not adding all that much cost to the mix either in doing so. You can check out that review uh, linked down below in the master playlist. I also did a little overview about how to protect yourself better online. I was kind of disappointed this video didn't get more views. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more next week on the wrap-up, actually. Uh, But what I got uh, over at CES was a couple of these YubiKeys, which are physical keys to unlock your Google or Facebook accounts, among other things. And I thought it would be good to do kind of a refresh on how to just put some extra protection on all of your online accounts. Because when people are out there trying to hack others, it's really not hacking so much as it is phishing and social engineering. And if people get your username and password combination, they can easily get into your accounts and then start doing more damage to you. And having two-factor authentication, which is something we talk about in the video, is a great way to protect yourself. And it's actually pretty easy to get it set up. It's been made easier over the last couple of years. And if you are not doing this, watch the video and learn how, because I think it's really important. And then we looked at a rather unique IoT device called the Anywhere Smart Adapter. And what this is is a little light bulb uh, smart adapter thingy that has some sensors built in. So it has temperature and humidity sensors, and then it can also act as a burglar alarm because it can listen for certain uh, sounds you know, by their volume. And if it detects something over a certain decibel level, it will send out a notification to you to let you know you might have something going on in the house. And these are pretty useful, especially for homes that are vacant. Uh, so if you want to measure the humidity level to make sure you don't have a leaking pipe, for example, uh, and you also want to have some added uh, security protection. This is something worth checking out, I thought. A little pricey at 75 bucks, but you can see more on the full review link down below in the master playlist. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind, and this is week number 100 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. And I've been very happy with how the channel has been growing since I went full-time. Uh, what's been nice from just a mental sanity point is that I have the time to put into the videos, both on the preparation and on the shooting, which has helped out Uh, quite considerably. I'm very satisfied, relatively speaking, with the work that I do here. I'm always looking to improve, of course, but I really feel like when I'm putting things together, I have time to really do them right. I'll sometimes go through a video and do a really good take, but if I uh, play it back and decide, you know, I really could have covered that part a little bit better, I have time really to throw out that shot and do it over again just to get it exactly how I want it to go. What's funny as a result of this is that I produce about the same amount of content now as I was doing before I went full-time, but I'm happier with it. And I think, too, you can only do so much without overloading the subscribers from uh, one week to the next. So I found doing the wrap-up and three other review videos in the course of the week has been a good cadence, both for me and for the viewers. But it did surprise me that I wasn't able to produce more content, uh, given that I pretty much gave myself a lot more time to get it all done. But I have been spending more time with the family and having some time in the evening now that I didn't have before. 
I still like to work on the weekends and get caught up on things, and that's just kind of a nice thing to do on Sunday morning for me. But overall, I'm very happy with it. The big frustration that I have is that this is a very artisanal business. You know, I think of myself like a, uh, somebody that produces small crafts where I have to do everything myself because I am the product, essentially. And one of the focuses I have for this year is finding some strategies to be able to scale the business where uh, other people might be able to do things. Not on this channel. I've got some ideas for, for how I want to kind of let this idea germinate. And I'm going to start exploring those in the coming weeks to see if this model is something that can be replicated uh, in other places. So stay tuned. I'm going to be talking more about that, hopefully, as I start putting things together on this. But it's been a very good run here in week 100. I'm still very motivated to uh, work on the weekends and work during the day and get everything going for all of you. And your viewership really helps keep that motivation going because I know you're looking for content and I am happy to provide it to you and I'm really enjoying what I do. So thank you for helping me uh, make this job a reality. And now it's time for some things in the news that caught my eye. And our first item here involves some social media stars on Instagram uh, in the UK. The uh, British regulatory authorities have cracked down on a whole bunch of them requiring them to now disclose advertising properly in their posts. This has not happened in the United States at this level just yet, uh, but it's good to see now that more and more regulators are realizing that people can get really scammed on these platforms if they believe someone's post is organic and not paid. And you can see a list of who they are targeting at the link you see on screen. All of them are based in the UK because, of course, that's the only uh, group that they can regulate as a UK regulator. But I think this might hopefully uh, lead to some other efforts in other parts of the world to at least start getting people to disclose their relationships properly. I want to thank Joss on Twitter for letting me know about this story. Now, if you're using an HD home run TV tuner and have an iPhone or iPad, the Channels app is now free for watching live TV on those two devices used to cost 15 bucks. I've got it running here on my iPhone. We've done a lot of videos on this already, so I'll put a link to those down below in the video description. And you get, of course, the icon-based channel guide here, but they also have a more traditional grid view, and then you can just tap on it here to watch stuff. Now, they also have a DVR engine that you can use to watch uh, recorded content, but it is proprietary two channels. So you have to install their uh, DVR engine on your NAS or PC for doing the recordings, uh, but it does allow you to watch those recordings when you're outside of the home. So in some ways, it kind of works like the Plex DVR does. But the DVR does have a monthly cost associated with it, $8 a month or uh, $80 a year if you go for a year-long subscription. Uh, they also have an Apple TV app that costs $25 still. I think that's probably where their growth is, is on the TV platforms. Uh, so you can get the Apple TV app and integrate everything together that way. Uh, there's also an Android TV app for $25. Bucks. Uh, that'll run on the NVIDIA Shield, of course, and other uh, compatible Android devices. And there's also now a version for the Fire TV as well. So it's a good alternative if you're looking for something a little bit different, uh, especially for folks that have Apple TVs. And again, I'll put a link down below where you can see more about their platform. And a few weeks ago, we talked about how Intel was putting a focus on higher margin processors. And uh, we were speculating as to what that might mean for our mini PCs. And it looks like we're starting to see what the impact is. Uh, back in November, there was a chip shortage of Gemini Lake processors that is still going on right now. Uh, that's part of the reason why we're seeing some mini PCs cost a little bit more than they used to. Uh, that Pepper Jobs PC, for example, starts at $300. 
Uh, and there are, uh, again, some real issues getting enough chips to satisfy demand for them. And that is going to be continuing uh, through March, it looks like. And we also have the added bonus of the Chinese New Year, which tends to shut everything down in China from a manufacturing perspective for a couple of weeks. So it might be a little bit of time before we start seeing more of these Gemini Lake mini PCs showing up. And I think the problem for Intel is that they have a chip now that doesn't cost all that much money, but is very functional and very capable for all the things that a casual user might do. Uh, so they play video back just fine, as we saw. Uh, you can do some light video editing on them if you don't mind waiting for the transcoding to take a while. Uh, and, of course, they do great at web browsing and all the basics that people typically do on their PCs. My mom and dad could get by just fine with one of these things, and it really cannibalizes the uh, more higher-margin processors like their main core i3, i5 chips, for example. So we'll have to see what happens with Intel's low-end and Maybe uh, this might be an opportunity for AMD to pick up some more high-volume business. So we'll have to take a look and see what happens throughout the year. But don't expect to see a lot of mini PCs until about the midpoint when these supplies get built back up. And now it's time for a Q&A from you, the viewers. And I've been getting more and more comments lately on a video that I did a while back on a Sony Blu-ray player. This is their inexpensive 4K player that supports Dolby Vision. And some folks have been asking, like, who's buying these physical discs anymore? They're so expensive. Just stream it and save yourself a lot of money. And there's certainly an argument for streaming. I have a Netflix account, of course. I do stream 4K video to it. It looks nice on my TV, no question about it. But my Blu-rays look a lot nicer. And I think there is always going to be a portion of the market that wants the best. And that is why these discs continue to be sold Uh, I really do like the 4K quality quite a bit compared to Netflix, and there's a reason why it's better, and that is because these discs can deliver to you up to 128 megabits per second uh, HEVC video, which is significantly higher. I think it's by a factor of 10 or more uh, than what you'll get over Netflix, and it is noticeable if you were to look at the two side to side. You can certainly see a better Uh, quality image. You also get much better quality audio, which is very important to me as well, uh, because you can stream a lossless Atmos audio stream over that disc because you don't have to put it over the internet first to get it to you. And I think there's really a lot of reason to continue using discs for the quality. Also, people that don't have very fast internet connections will never get the best quality video out of a streaming service either, especially if you have a 4K television. Uh, And that's why I buy physical media. But I also buy physical media because at the moment, at least, it doesn't expire. Things don't disappear and go off into the ether when some length of time or some license runs out. Uh, Those DVDs that I bought 20-something years ago and the laser discs that I bought much earlier than that all still work. And that's not the case with digital media. Uh, The other day, my friend Smoke Monster uh, posted up some commentary on Twitter about Nintendo closing down their Wii Digital Store. Now, this is not the Wii U digital shop, but it's the Wii one, you know, the original Wii from 2006 or so. Uh, They can't keep that digital store operating, so later this week, they're shutting it down. And that means if you bought something from that Wii digital store, you can no longer retrieve it after the end of this week. That's it. It's gone forever, even though you paid for that license. And, of course, there's probably something in the licensing agreement that says you agreed to that, Uh, But it's a real problem. So check out this Nintendo Life article to get more information. But you really need to get that old Wii booted up and downloading all of the stuff that you paid for. Uh, Those consoles don't have a lot of storage space. So you might have to get a little SD card in there to get it all 
onto it. And if anything ever happens to that console or the card, uh, that's it. You lose it forever because Nintendo is not going to give you any way to get at that stuff ever again. Now, I do believe the original Wii uh, did not allow you to download the larger disc-based games like you could do on the Wii U, which is probably next on the chopping block. But there are a lot of virtual console titles, the emulators that they had there, and I think a few digital exclusive games, too, that were on the Wii platform that undoubtedly people paid for and will no longer have access to. But this is not the only platform with this issue. Uh, The iPhone is also experiencing this to a degree. My friend Metal Jesus did a great video on uh, what he's doing to archive some of his favorite games that you can no longer download on newer versions of iOS, even if you paid for them. Uh, So what he's done is he's gotten out an old iPhone 6S. Uh, He's not going to upgrade the OS on it to iOS 11, which is preventing a lot of these games from installing. And he's going to kind of like secure everything in place on this phone. But once that phone goes away, he may have a hard time preserving his purchases there too. I went back into my iPhone uh, to some of my very early purchases from back in 2008. And as you can see here, a few of these uh, apps have a grayed out cloud. That's not because I've downloaded those apps. It's because I can't download them. So even though Uh, I could on an older phone. Uh, These apps are completely inaccessible to me moving forward on any newer phone with iOS 11. And of course, this is to be expected. Technology changes. Developers don't keep their apps up to date. But there are some things that I bought, uh, even though I'm not using, that I can't get access to any longer. And that wouldn't be the case with my old Mac, for example, where I can take out the old floppy disk and pop it in there and start running that old software again, I've really got no way to get this old stuff going because it's locked in this digital jail without any kind of physical option for this media. And I can think of one particular instance where an app was violating the terms of service of the Apple App Store, and Apple not only removed it from people buying it in the future, but it was also removed from my account as well without a credit. I'm pretty sure this happened to me. I had an Apple 2GS emulator that showed up on the App Store, and it was one of these things where they had a few uh, baked-in demos, and then there was a way you could load your own uh, Apple disk images into the emulator and run them, and that, of course, violated uh, Apple's policies because you can't allow people to install executable code Uh, on an iPhone app, and when they uh, found out about it, the app disappeared, and I could no longer download it again. I went through that entire list of uh, software and just couldn't find it, and that's another risk here, too, that if something happens between the developer and the platform, maybe they decide that even those who purchase the app can't get access to it any longer. I also got to thinking about my Steam account, where I've got uh, probably several hundred dollars worth of games uh, in my digital library, and if you look at Uh, the terms of service of any one of these digital providers, uh, they're not saying you're buying games. They're saying you're buying the license and right to use the content and services for your personal non-commercial use. And that is what you are purchasing. And that also means within these agreements that they can revoke those rights at any time, even though you paid for it. Uh, So, for example, if you were to violate Steam's terms of service, they could shut your account down and all of the games you purchased will also uh, disappear into the ether without any refunds. I don't think they have a recourse even within their license agreement to refund money uh, for those that they've kicked off their platform. Uh, But if Steam decides one day to go out of business or maybe they get bought by somebody else or maybe they just can't uh, keep up with their competitors, uh, you risk losing that library as well. And I've got my uh, Steam account going back to 2004 when Half-Life 2 first came out. So these are the risks that you take with digital media. Now, I should add that typically when you buy 
buy software, uh, you're not buying the physical software, you're buying the right to use it, which has always been the case with software. However, older software and older games never would usually phone home to make sure you had that authorization. Typically, if you had the disc, you could play the game. I went through my old Zelda manual here to see if there was any talk of licensing in here, and there wasn't. I could take that Zelda cartridge off the shelf that's 30 years old and put it in my NES and start playing it because that cartridge and the right to use it really can't be revoked. They can't come here and take it, and there's no way to prevent the NES from playing it. But the era that we're in now uh, means that this could happen. And as some of these platforms age and as some of these games age, I think we'll be seeing more and more of this. My big concern is the Wii U and what Nintendo decides to do with that because I know people, myself included, Uh, bought a couple of $60 games on that platform, and if they pull the plug on that like they did the Wii Store, uh, that's leaving customers with uh, a good amount of money lost, and I hope they try to make it whole for folks. But there is some hope out there for these digital titles. Uh, Limited Run Games, of course, is making official PS4 versions of digital games that were only available on the PS4 store, so that was encouraging to see. It's been very popular. They're selling these games quite well, and they are now uh, making a deal with Best Buy to get into their stores with some of these originally digitally-only games that will now have a physical release. So that was very encouraging to see. Uh, They've got Nintendo Switch games they're making now. They're even getting into some retro games, as we saw at CES with an NES title. So that was pretty neat to see. And we began this discussion talking about movies. And one of the things that I suggest you do, because it's free is sign up for this Movies Anywhere service, especially if you have bought movies on any of these platforms. Now, what Movies Anywhere will do is it will take a movie that you bought on iTunes and make it available to your account on Prime Video and Google Play and any other of these platforms that are listed here. It doesn't support every movie. There are still some studios that are holding out, but this is a great way to protect yourself so that if someday... Apple iTunes decides to shut down, uh, you can still watch the media that you paid for elsewhere because, again, this is a free service. We've talked about it a bit in the past. I'll link to some things you can do with it down below, but I've been very happy with this. And what I've done with it uh, is when I buy a physical disc, I type in the code and then get that movie available digitally on these other platforms because sometimes my kids and I are traveling and I want the kids to watch a movie on the plane so they can leave us all alone for a little bit. I can put Frozen uh, on their devices easily. I could, of course, put it on my Plex server and have it do all the uh, download stuff. But for my kids, it's easier just to have it download with uh, Google Play or iTunes or whatever and have it done that way. So you do have some options here for preserving yourself in the digital world. Uh, And I, again, really strongly suggest you check out Movies Anywhere to get your library spread out a bit. It also gives you some consumer choice because if you decide the Apple iTunes stuff is just too expensive to keep using, uh, you won't lose all that media if you do decide to switch platforms. So again, check it out, moviesanywhere.com. Now, this next question is one I've been meaning to get to for a couple of weeks, hence the uh, Merry Christmas there at the beginning. But Al Vanderlaan has a very good tip that I've been doing as well Uh, to prevent things from getting stolen when they are delivered to you. Uh, So when I was working my full-time job, I used to have things delivered to my office, so that way uh, they weren't sitting out on my front porch all day when I wasn't home. Uh, And since I started doing the channel here, I'm usually downstairs in my studio working, and I often don't hear the UPS truck come and deliver. They don't knock anymore. They usually leave the package right by the garage. I do have a camera out there to notify me, but there are times I may not be home, and I just don't want... 
uh, some expensive loaner device sitting outside the house for somebody just to drive by and grab. So what I did uh, last year or two years ago now was set up a local mailbox, uh, not at the post office because they couldn't take UPS or FedEx packages, uh, but with a local small business that does uh, mail services. They have a pack and ship business and they also have boxes there. Uh, So I have all of my packages delivered to them Uh, And then I drive by there once or twice a week to pick up whatever came in. And it's been really nice from a sanity perspective, too, because it's an excuse to get out of the house. Uh, So usually around 2 o'clock or so, I'll just grab a coffee and go to the mailbox and see what came in and drop off the stuff that I'm shipping out. And it's a very good thing to do. And chances are you probably have one of these mailbox services in your area. Uh, So if you're very concerned about this and you get a lot of packages delivered, uh, there's likely a small business that can receive them on your behalf cost me a little bit a year, not all that much, and it's really worth it just for the peace of mind and, of course, the sanity gained by getting a few minutes out of the office to see what's going on in the world. And Ronnie McKay brought up a question here that I thought might be fun to discuss further in the comments section, and that is in regards to network-attached storage. We have seen companies struggle year after year to try to make this simple for consumers, and sometimes they go too far with that simplicity, like we saw with the uh, WD MyCloud Home when I reviewed it about a year and a half ago. Uh, that was the video that Ronnie here was commenting on. And then, of course, you can go to the other extreme with the Synology and QNAP devices that have so many features that it's very confusing sometimes for consumers to get started with them. Uh, now, full disclosure, both WD and Synology are occasional sponsors here on the channel, but I do want to give you some recommendations as to what I think is the middle ground at the moment. And it's not a perfect middle ground, Uh, But I still recommend to people who don't need all the bells and whistles of a Synology, but not the uh, limitations of a MyCloud home, uh, to take a look at the regular WD MyCloud devices. The most affordable one at the moment, at least that kind of meets all the criteria I'm looking for, is the MyCloud EX2 Ultra. Costs about $325 for a 4-terabyte model. Now remember, this is a device that uh, will mirror one drive to the other, so your effective storage space here is two terabytes. You can get a diskless version for a little bit less, and you can put your own drives in at that point. Uh, You can change and swap out the drives later, too, if you want to do that. And I think this one kind of represents the middle ground, just because they don't overload you with features. Uh, The web-based interface does make sense for figuring out uh, who to give access to on certain uh, file shares and that sort of thing. And it really doesn't confuse people too much in getting started. You still have to spend some time with it to understand exactly what you're doing, but uh, generally these still are kind of the middle ground even four years later. Nobody's done really anything better or simpler uh, than these, including WD's own efforts to simplify things. So I think this is probably the best place to get started if you're looking for something a little bit simpler, but there really hasn't been anything that I found to be like the greatest thing ever for consumers that they can just plug in and get working without a lot of uh, little gotchas along the way. So my Q&A for you this week is, uh, are there other NAS devices that I should be looking at that kind of fit that mold of a very basic, simple device to get set up, but does give you some control and flexibility as to how that device works? So let me know down in the comments below. We haven't looked at a Buffalo device in a while. I know they've got a number of NAS devices, so I'd love to hear what you're using and whether or not you think it might meet the needs that Ronnie brought up on this question. Now, last week on the wrap-up, we were taking entries for a giveaway of an HD home-run television tuner along with an antenna and a year of DVR service. And we have a winner of that giveaway, Don Mancha. 
I will be sending you an email with uh, details about how you can collect your prize. And I want to thank uh, everyone who entered. And we'll probably do some more giveaways throughout the year on various products. So stay tuned. More to come. But I want to thank you all for participating. And uh, congratulations to Don. And my pick of the week this week is the Valley of the Boom. You can find this on the National Geographic channel, but it's also being posted to YouTube in its entirety. Now, this is kind of a documentary, but it's more so an entertainment piece covering the uh, beginnings of the web, and it starts with the Netscape IPO that kind of shocked the world and got all this money flowing into these internet startups before anybody even knew what any of this stuff was. And it's really kind of a fun look at it because they interview the real players that were involved with this, the CEO of Netscape, for example, and many others, But they also have this dramatic reenactment taking place along with those interviews where they uh, have these people replaced by actors and they uh, kind of, in a fun way, show you what was going on uh, during this very crazy period of time. And it's been pretty fun to watch. It reminds me a lot of the Pirates of Silicon Valley, uh, which is a movie, TV movie, I think, that came out a number of years ago documenting the cutthroat competition between uh, Apple and Microsoft. Uh, Steve Jobs famously had Noah Wiley, who played him in that movie, come out and introduce him at one of the Apple keynotes. It was a really uh, fun film, and they're trying to capture some of that fun here. I think sometimes it goes a little bit over the top, but it's still uh, been entertaining nonetheless. So if you have an interest in Internet history uh, and you like humor, uh, Valley of the Boom might satisfy both of those itches. So this week on the channel, we've got a bunch of stuff we're going to be taking a look at. Uh, The first is that little mini smartphone. It's been kind of fun playing around with it, and we'll have a full review coming up later this week, including how you can type on it, because that is a challenge, given how small the screen is. Uh, We're also going to look at my uh, usual monthly video, sponsored by Plex, and I'm going to play around a little bit with Open Media Vault, uh, because I've been looking for a non-Windows way of getting an easy-to-run Plex server going. I was experimenting with Ubuntu and found that it was getting very difficult to set permissions for external drives. And I'm trying to find something a little bit more turnkey. So I'm going to start playing with this this week. Hopefully that will result in a video, and if it doesn't, we'll come up with something else. But uh, that is my plan at the moment, to uh, show you an easy way to get a free operating system running on your mini PC to host Plex. We also probably will have another Lenovo review, too. I've got a couple of machines that we've been evaluating, and we'll probably do something with one of those, too. And sometimes things just show up, and uh, we go in that direction. So stay tuned. Who knows what you'll see this week, but you'll definitely see those two things. Now, if you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv slash support and make a monthly or a one-time contribution to the channel. We also have our ongoing relationship with Plex, where if you sign up for a free Plex account, no credit card required, we get a small commission. Uh, We get a slightly larger commission if you sign up for a Plex Pass or gift it to somebody else. And, of course, we've got other channels where you can check me out. My Extras channel has unboxings and mini-reviews. Our podcast has audio versions of this show and some of my other media appearances and interviews when I do them. Uh, The Snippets channel has search-friendly versions of this show that you can find at the link on screen there. Uh, We also have my live stream archive at lon.tv slash livestreams. Now, if you like what I do and want to uh, get notified whenever I post anything or go live, you can click on the notification bell to get those notifications whenever something is pushed out. We also have my email list at lon.tv email. That's an occasional email list. We don't send it out too often. Uh, we have my Facebook 
page at lon.tv slash Facebook, where we post a lot of content that you see here over there. We have my Facebook group where you can interact with me and other fans of the show at lon.tv slash Facebook group. We're almost up to 600 people in that one. It's been a very fun group to be in. And then we have my store at lon.tv slash store where I sell things that I've previously reviewed here on the channel uh, for less than they cost new. And they're like new because they've only been used for a couple of weeks, maybe, if that. Uh, And you can often get a pretty good deal. Uh, These are one-offs, though. So if you want to get an alert every time something gets added to the store, we have a different email uh, list for that. If you go to lon.tv slash store alert, you will get notified. And that is going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. I will be returning to doing premieres of this show in the near future where I can jump in and chat with you. I just haven't had a Monday evening since the beginning of the year where I've been home to do it. So we'll be doing that at some point in the very near future. You'll get a notification, of course, when we do the premiere. I've really enjoyed doing that, interacting with all of you in the process, and that will be coming back, just not this week. Until next time, this is Lon Seibin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including Gold Level supporters Chris Allegretta, the Four Guys with Quarters podcast. Tom Albrecht. Anuj Zaveri. And Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.